0: Welcome to the Fellowship Regional Church Podcast. We are in the book of Mark. We've talked about uh, different things about the book of Mark. Mark is an excellent storyteller. He does a thing called intercalation. Intercalation, I think that's right. It's the sandwiching of a story to where you start a story and then you tell another story in the middle, then you end The former story, the the previous story on the backside, which is really cool, especially if uh, you think like I think, to where I tell a half a story and I'm like, time out. New story, we'll come back to that one if I remember, and then we'll, and I like it. I like the way, I like the way Mark writes. He also writes um, in a way that leaves you as the reader feeling like the story has not developed yet. I could tell you a story and say you're not going to believe what happened so i'm there with my wife and she's pushing my daughter on the swing and my daughter fell out of the swing and you're like okay well that's information but if i say to you so it's, it's this nice warm day and she's pushing and i can see her little hands slipping now you were there at the park right then you're there and when mark writes that's the way he writes our passage today does something really really uh, uncomfortable does something really uncomfortable and that's the purpose and when you read it you begin to feel the tension that's going on inside of the scripture now the reason we started talking about the humanity of jesus last week in the book of mark is because there's things that we can learn about how we should operate in this life by watching jesus although we believe 100 percent he was the incarnation of god that he was jesus he's god in the flesh we also believe That his flesh was 100% that he was 100% man and so he was limited so he did have himself in a place to where I I need to do a miracle at times and I would like to do a miracle but there's times that it wouldn't happen there were times when he would feel pain emotional pain to where he would experience fear and Mark is the writer that brings us a very candid picture of Jesus the human and so that's what we're going to study. So let me read you this passage. Um, the very first verse, and and then, uh, then I want to then I want to dive into some of the things that it has to do with Mark chapter four, uh, Mark chapter three. Sorry, starting in verse seven. Now, remember, I want you to pay close attention to the tension that this that this that this passage uh, creates. Mark does an excellent job. Jesus withdrew. With his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard that all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Idumea, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told the disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed so uh, so many that those with diseases were pushing forward and touching him. Whenever the evil spirit saw him, they fell down before him and cried out, you are the son of God. But he gave strict orders not to tell who he was. There is this unrest that happens in the picture. Now, our English translation, we don't have the right words to grasp what's written in the Greek. We just don't, we just don't have it. So what I want to do is I want to point to some, some different words. Then I want to tell you the story as, as I think it would probably be heard if we were to hear it in the native tongue. First word is this, verse 9, when he says, because of the crowd, he he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep them from crowding him. Is Jesus claustrophobic? I don't know. I guess it's possible because he's human. But here's what is true. The word crowding is a very gentle word for what this is. This is the word afflict or constrict. Have you ever been in a situation to where somebody got in your face and they're yelling in your face? There's a thing that happens to where you're like, what's your problem? What's your problem? What's your... These people are coming at Jesus. This isn't crowding like, oh, excuse me. I didn't mean to grab the same handle. It's my, my not like crowding. It's not standing in the, in the line at Walmart and every, or the, at the gas station. Every once in a while somebody comes up and they stand like right behind you and you're like... Like, I think I'm getting mugged, you know, or married. I'm not sure what's happening here. This isn't that kind of crowding. This is crowding like constricted. There's another word. It says in verse 10, they were pushing forward. This is the word gripping, tugging, or falling on top of. Okay, you are starting to get this picture. Jesus leaves this area of Galilee and he begins to move towards the lake, towards the Sea of Galilee, and he's out by the water, and here comes these people. Now, you heard where they were coming from. All around, north, south, east, and west, some of them 50, 60 miles on foot to find Jesus. They're sick, some are demon-possessed, some are desperate to get their son or daughter in front of the Lord. They didn't have a Find Me app with me. Where's Jesus? I don't know, text your friends and find out wander around until you find them. And so once they find them, they're not letting go until they get what they came for. They're sick. They're crowding him. They're pulling at him. His feet just hit the edge of the water, and he's backing up deeper into the, into the Sea of Galilee, and now it's to his waist. It's, it's climbing up. And he turns to his disciples and says, you might want to get a boat ready. I'm probably going to need a place to Stand. And they keep coming. Here's another word. And they were touching him. That's kind. Especially when the Greek word is set fire to. Adhere themselves to him. Imagine this grabbing a hold of them and then pushing others back. No, me, me, my turn. Last one. Verse 11. And those who were demon-possessed, when they came in contact with Jesus or in the presence of Jesus, cried out and said, you are the Son of God. Now, I need need you to brace yourself for this for just a moment, okay? Just, Just for a moment. This word is an automatopoeia. It's a Batman word. With me? Bam. Whack. Boom. It is a word that is spelled out of the sound. It resembles the sound of what it is. This word is that, kradzo. Kradzo. And when Jesus is there with these sick people confronting him, brace yourself, please. Right? This is weird. And so you read through this story And we don't hear some of these things that are there. And what he writes is, can you imagine that? Sick people who refuse to let go of you. Coming at you, touching you, grabbing a hold of you, not letting go of you. All the while, there is this inarticulate screaming from random people around the way. And then voices that are coming out of other people saying, you're the son of God. And the Automatopoeia word, it's coming from, it is the sound that a raven makes, the high-pitched shriek of a raven. That's the word. This is like, like being caught, a celebrity being caught by the, by the paparazzi and being stuck in a zombie film. Can you see that? And they just keep coming, dragging a leg, just drooling with this eye, and they're coming, you know what I mean? This is a freakish passage. You know what bothers me about it is that I see myself in that group. Listen to this one more time. When they heard all that he was doing, many people came to him. See, it's more about the performance of Jesus than it is the person of Jesus. That's my problem. To where I chase the Lord based on what I want from Him, and he has to see me as this walking dead type of character, just reiterating the same phrase over and over and over. "Give me what I want. Give me what I want. Give me what I want." And It's got nothing to do with the person, It has everything to do with the performance. I want Jesus' actions. I don't care about his personality or his heart. I just want him for what I need him for. When we evaluate where we are in our spiritual life, does it look like this? Do you look like one of these characters coming at Jesus with this thing? Dear God, please... Here's my problem. Here's my process. Let me, let me just vocalize my process. Something difficult comes into my life, and you can, you can join in and, and agree if this is you. Something difficult comes into my life. I immediately man up. Who's with me? Handle that stuff on my own until I can't. I either need more willpower, more self-discipline, um... I need to get whatever, whatever it is. Uh, I need to handle this myself. So then when the situation outruns me or overpowers me, or I realize that that's not working, and then it's down to crunch time and there's just a few minutes left, and I'm like, what are we going to do? This is, it's time to panic. Here I come running to the Lord. Lord, I did everything I could do. Now I need you to step in and take care of it. And then when the Lord doesn't answer that prayer within the time slot that I've allotted for him to answer that prayer, I begin to uh, growl, shriek, squint my eyes, get mad, throw the bird to heaven. I just get this frustrated feel of just like, where are you? Because I'm after the performance of Jesus and I'm not after the person of Jesus here's what's crazy the humanity of Jesus desperately needs to be loved like you need to be loved he made himself limited and volatile I mean not volatile um limited and vulnerable to be in the presence of other human beings and he needed that why when he was baptized did the voice come from heaven you are my son whom I'm well pleased you think it's because he needed to hear that? I do. Do you need to hear that? Then we have to stop chasing the Lord for the performance. We have to start chasing him for his person. He has been good to us over and over and over. And though I question sometimes his, his reasons and the manner in which he does things, and his clock, I, I question his day timer and, and whether he can keep an appointment. I wonder that about him sometimes but he's faithful, more so than me. Verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. <clears throat> there is a leadership insight we can gain from just those few words right there. And this this m- makes me unhappy and it sucks for me because i i understand what this means jesus withdrew from the crowds where he just came from with his disciples disciples is the word pupil when i want to go seek help from somebody i typically don't choose somebody that i teach there's a high school teacher and he goes to one of his sophomores. Hey, I got this situation at home. Can I talk to you about it? Uh, yeah, I, uh, play more Nintendo. Yeah, Get an Xbox One. It'll make... Sweet. Jesus goes, withdraws with his students. Now, my damnable pride gets me here gets me here. Who do you seek refuge in? Do you seek refuge in people who maybe don't have it together like you do? I would much prefer to go to a professional than to a pupil. Scripture says he went with his disciples. doesn't say his therapist, though I'm not opposed to that. But there's a reason sometimes we go to the therapist instead of to normal people. It's the therapist's job to hear that I'm crazy. I don't want the world to know. They have to keep HIPAA, right? My friend will put it on Facebook. And this is what happens in us. And we get to this place to where our pride elevates us and and keeps us above other people, not Jesus. When he withdraws and he needs peace, who does he go to? He goes to the people he's teaching. Why? You want to talk about accountability? You want to talk about real accountability? Stop taking your problems to people who who have the name tag or the occupation and start taking them to people who are in the same place as you. Oh, there's no way I'm letting the congregation know how jacked up I am. There's no way. Jesus withdraws with his disciples and makes this connection. Makes this connection with them. The book of James says this, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he will raise you up. Do you know what keeps us anchored to our fear? The things in our life that we absolutely are terrified terrified of, that we want to seek refuge from, the addictions, everything else. Do you know what ties us to those? Pride. When you get real and you get honest, you can't stay that way. You cannot stay jacked up. Well, I would much rather talk to somebody older, wiser, smarter, who maybe doesn't live around me about the problems in my life. How is that? How did you then do anything that's going to change where you live? The problems are here with you. And you told somebody in another county, and you came back is there anybody around who can check in on you and and have some sort of accountability here's the other genius thing about what jesus did he just put his disciples in the teacher position and he took the pupil part now they have to toe the line as a teacher this is so so genius i know that when we live in a small town we have this feeling That like well if my stuff gets out in the open it could really mess things up well if it stays inside it will probably also mess things up if you keep it to yourself it will probably also mess things up so what do we do we find those who are also in the same place as you they're there they exist People who you know you can go to, although you might be embarrassed, and say, I'm screwing this up pretty good, and I don't really know what I need to do about it. I think, I'm, I, think I might be crazy. <coughs> and those people exist. And Jesus chooses trusted friends. Can I point out something else? Jesus didn't choose his family. <coughs> This, this is true. If a part of your crazy that you're carrying around with you came from your parents, probably don't call them about a solution. You with me? You're weird because of them? Maybe they don't have the answer. You know? Jesus seems to redefine family, which we'll find out here in, in, the, in a few weeks. Jesus begins to redefine family, what family should look like. Um, he has an altercation and. He just comes out and he says, I think family should be redefined. We're going to redefine the terms of the whole relationship. That's what we're going to do. It doesn't say family, it doesn't say that. It says, disciples, pupils. There are people out there who would love to sit and learn, who would love to sit with you, talk with you, to experience life with you, to walk in this life with you. But it is our pride that keeps us from moving forward, it's our pride. Number two, I want you to to see this. Oh, um, he creates this environment that is conducive for compassion. Jesus creates this. Here's what happens to me. You get into a situation like that, do you know what you first think? Eject. You're in the middle of a zombie movie, like the book of Mark right here. They're coming at you you got the stress of this entire world that's kind of coming at you. It's the job that's grinding you into powder over and over. It's the marriage that just, there's absolutely no grace. It's metal on metal friction all the time. What should you do? (laughs) There's always that voice. Bail out. Bail out. BR 549, Concrete Cowboy, Houston. Bail out. Get out of there. Jesus does not. What Jesus says is, get a boat. He stays in the game, but with boundaries. You with me? Like, that's okay. You realize that, right? You can say no. I know not everybody needs to hear this, but some of you need to hear this. You hear me? Some of you need to hear this. Say no. Not like the Nancy Reagan, just say no. This is the say no, just look. When the phone rings and you look at it and you're like, oh but if i don't they're gonna if that thought crosses your mind you need to say no well but if i no no you have permission to say no jesus is right here and he's like uh i love these people i care about them i want to make a difference in their life but i'm not cool with them touching me and holding me and i'm afraid i might drown and i'm pretty sure that's not the will of the father get me a boat gets in a boat he begins to teach and he begins to heal from there we don't see the rest of the story but this is what we see he creates an an environment that is conducive to compassion 9 and 10 because of the crowd he told the disciples have a small boat ready for him to keep those people from crowding him for he had healed so many that they were pushing forward to touch him here's the word healed therapy that's the word it is this idea that he is stepping into their life and he's making a difference That he's speaking some sort of truth into their life and he's making a difference where they live we can still reach out to the world and keep our boundaries in check there are times to where we get around people who are just massively unhealthy and they will drain the life out of you you have to put a boundary in place you have to put something in place to keep that thing from happening you're important you have a mission This is what we see with Jesus right here. Like, he cannot stay in this position. Something's got to give. But what we do is this. I'm uncomfortable. I'm leaving and never talking to them ever as so long as I live, ever. And Jesus is like, "Uh, I think we just need to structure this a little bit better. And this is what we see. He, He creates an environment to where he can still do ministry. He can still have these relationships and still say, I need a little bit of space here so that I can do the thing that God sent me to do. It's the same for us. Uh, one more point. Verse 3. I'm sorry, verse 13. He went to a mountainside and he called to him those he wanted. Jesus is so clickish. Right? So he's got people from all over the place following him everywhere and he starts up the mountain and they're all going to come with him and Jesus is like, whoa, 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 whoa. I just want you, you, you and you and you and you. And the rest of you, stay. Jesus is so, he's so clickish. Do you need a Sabbath? Do you need to withdraw sometimes? Do you? What happens when you don't? What happens when you stay locked in into the grind all the time? 12 hour shift, no sleep, there's no grace anywhere inside the home, and all you do is work. You are now a human working, right? You're not a human being, that's for sure. You're just a human working. And there's got to be some point to where we stop and say, it's time for me to retreat and I need to get people around me who are going to be good for me. Those he wanted, that's the word that he desired. Or even better, those that pleased him. There's got to be a place to where you can go and blow off steam. There's got to be safe people around you to where you can hook up and say, look, I need to sit down and talk and I need to just like, you know, Scream about a bunch of stuff that's going on inside my head and then just like let it be okay. Can we do that? Yeah, we can do that. Some of you are, some of you are like, Can we go shoot guns for like an hour and I'll feel better? What's <laughs> well, just a bunch of rattling and tinging all over the ground like then. <sighs> serenity, I'm good. You know? Jesus withdrew from the crowd. He withdrew from the crowd. Um those who pleased him, those who brought him joy, those that he trusts. We have to learn how to seek refuge. Now, this church is, this church is excellent at it. It's excellent at it. Um, and more reports, like what Luke was saying earlier, a guy who's here last week and had that conversation uh, with Luke. I also had, to have, I also had a, a conversation this last week with, uh, with a couple of ministers over Topeka Way. And listening to them talk was another one of those situations to where the more we talked about church, I felt, I felt bad because there was just like s- so many good and healthy things here that I kind of felt like I should be like, yeah, but you know, our floor sucks. It's terrible. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you, you got those kind of, but we don't have a floor, you know? <sighs> we just keep being faithful and praying that the Lord will give us a floor, you know, which isn't true. I mean, <laughs> I not know. Which maybe we should, honestly. But it's really cool. This church is excellent at that. There's got to be a connection that we make. There's got to be um, relationships that organically form and that we reach out to one another. That has to happen. See, when church becomes a thing that we come to to take from, instead of a thing that we come to looking to see who needs to be encouraged today, who needs to be taken out to lunch today, who needs a text midweek to say, it was super, it was super good to see you at church the other day, who needs that kind of thing in their life? But here's what happens. We drag ourselves out of bed on Sunday morning. We're typically bitter and angry about the fact that we had to get out of bed on Sunday morning. We get up. We show up here. We come in kind of like half, half undone, half, you know, tired, sleeping one eye, you know, looking for the coffee pot, hoping Jay's got the, the coffee pot, you know, going so we can slam the coffee, get to feeling good. Maybe I can be awake about halfway through the sermon while that guy's rambling. And this is what happens. When instead, what needs to happen, I think, for us is this. We show up looking for an opportunity to give, looking for an opportunity to encourage. Young folks, there are a lot of elderly people here who need to be told, like, we are glad they're here. They become these supplemental parents, spiritual parents in our life, and that's an excellent thing. They kind of keep the ceiling on the place for us. Some of you older folks... You need to be looking at some of those young folks and you need to be telling them, hey, you need to spank that baby more often. <laughs> I can't say it. You know I can't say it. You have to say it. This is what family is supposed to do. This is what he created us to be as a church, as a unit. I want to point out three things real quick and then we'll get out of here. Oh, we've been doing so good on time. Verse Uh, Romans chapter 8, 17 says this. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. When Jesus went to the mountainside, he went with those who he considered not just friends, but the word also means kin. We're going to see him do it here in just a few chapters. He's going to rewrite what family is and he's starting it now. He's starting it right now we have to we have to realize that our position is that that we are co-heirs with Christ that when we have met him in the baptism in in, in the waters of baptism when we have confessed our sins when we have made this decision to say I want to be faithful in following Christ we've committed ourselves to one another here what we experience inside of church with other Christians is the very presence of Jesus Christ in our life this means brotherhood this means brotherhood verse 14 says this verse 13 he went up to the mountainside and he called uh, to those that he wanted and they came to him verse 14 he appointed 12 designating them apostles that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons number one what do we find when we get inside of a church like this when we when we accept christ and we follow him and we and we follow him up the mountain what, what do we experience with christ well number one is this purpose purpose i don't care what job you have i don't care what job it is i don't care how precious it is you could be you could be a nick you nurse maybe one of the most meaningful things in the entire world to me a nick you nurse and you could still lack purpose in your life because you were made for something. The word that he uses here in verse 14 is the word appointed, he appointed. That means he made, he manufactured. He took people, sailors, check this out. Fishermen, farmers, tax collectors, make you something different. I want you to preach. I want you to preach. Do you have a story to tell? What has God done in your life? What has he done in your life? Just think for just a second. We'll just take just a second and think about it. What has he done? In your life, family, friends, work, finances, contentment, joy. What gifts and abilities has he given you? What is there that's going on inside of you that you can thank Him for? Because if you're like me, I take that list, and I'm like, well, here's all the things that I'm really, really uh, thankful for, but what I really want to talk about is the multiple pages of things that upset me and that I'm angry about, I'm not happy about, and that seem unfinished. I would like you to address these, please. Instead, what are the things that He is doing in your life that He has done? What's he creating inside of your life? Number one, he's telling you, look, you have a purpose. You have a purpose. You're made for something greater than that. Second thing is this he gives them them power. He gives them power. He authorizes them. This is this word, authorized, to empower them so that they also can cast out demons. They can go and they can preach as well. Who needs to hear your story? God created you to tell your story. It's not the job of the preacher to just preach. It's yours too. It's your job too. I do it here, and you, unfortunately, have to go out there and do it. But so do I. What does that mean? Like, I don't know how to write a sermon. You don't have to write a sermon. Here's what you do have to do. What has God done in your life? Are you absolutely convinced of it? And are you telling others? He has done something in your life that you're proud, I don't care, big or small, it is your story and it's your responsibility to tell. This is what he's made us be. This is what he's made us for. This is what he's made us to do. Who in your life, who at your work needs your light to move into their darkness? And faces pop in. Names of people come to mind. People who you know they need light in their life. And I've been selfish, and I've been ignoring that, and I need to get outside of my mind, and I need to step into somebody else's life. I need to serve. I need to shine my light in their life. Who in your life needs to know the same message, that they were created for something greater than what they have right now, than what they're doing right now? We're going to talk about the humanity of Jesus a couple more weeks, Um, And we're going to dive right into this thing on family. So when you show up here in a couple weeks, put on your seatbelt because it will, I'm serious, it will probably hurt your feelings. It'll probably hurt your feelings. Jesus has got a completely different mindset about family. It's not priority number one. So you and him, I assume, will disagree. Um, Unless you just don't like your family, then you'll love Jesus. Will you love what Jesus is? So let's pray and we will go. Appreciate you being here. Appreciate you being here.